This is Andy Peck, host of The Leadership File, explaining that my interview with Chris Vallotton that you're about to hear is being broadcast for the second time. This is to link with an article in Premier Christianity on Bethel Church, Reading, California, where Chris serves on the leadership team. The Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the Leadership File, conversations that aim to change the way you lead. I'm Andy Peck. I'm joined on the Leadership File this week by Chris Vallotton. Chris is part of the senior team of Bethel Church, Reading, California, a church that has seen God move in reviving and renewing power under the leadership of Bill Johnson. People from around the world attend Bethel conferences, trainings or full-time ministry school to experience more of God and the ways of his kingdom. Chris is one of a number of staff who travel in the USA and worldwide sharing the values that are the bedrock of their passion to see God experience uh, sorry to see people experience God and share this with others. He was in the UK in July this year at Westminster Central Hall and has visited the UK many times. He's the author of a number of books, uh, The Supernatural Ways of Royalty, which he wrote with Bill Johnson, and a string of other titles, including Basic Training for the Prophetic Ministry, Spirit Wars, and Fashion to Reign, Empowering Women to Fulfill Their Divine Destiny. And Chris's work has included setting up the School of Supernatural Ministry at Bethel, which in 2012-13 had more than 1,800 students trained to continue in the ministry style of Jesus. So in this conversation, I hope to explore the all-important topic of hearing God's voice as leaders, something that's vital within the kind of ministry Chris and the church seek to do, but also for us whether our leadership is in a church or charity, a business or local government. So Chris, welcome to Leadership Farm. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, great to have this opportunity to chat with you. And on behalf of the many in the UK who've heard you and read you, thanks for the way you've served us, uh, travelled to our shores and, continue, and encouraged us to see God at work. Um, I was very moved to discover in your book, uh, Spirit Wars, that you faced some significant challenges in life uh, before you came to faith. <laughs> yeah, and, and after. And most, <laughs> of that, most of that book, unfortunately, was written after I received Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, uh, and um, I mean, I, I, and, um, as we're going to talk about hearing God's voice, you were, um, you know, you had a period of, of, of uh, you know, a tough time of of, of struggling you know, emotionally and mentally with, uh, you know, with with stuff, and which which God brought you through, and uh, you know, around the other side, and obviously, Spirit Wars was a book that that related that uh, story. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I I did. I I um I you know I. I got out of the bathtub one night and and uh, just heard this voice tell me you're going to die and it was you know a voice in my mind it was I didn't hear an audible voice and I began a three and a half year journey in hell you know oh boy. And I had I had received Jesus several years before that and was really you know walking you know really serving the Lord with my whole heart so yeah and I learned a lot and, and I ended up demonized as a Christian which. That'll wreck your theology, <laughs> and, and um, you know. And then I, I finally got free three and a half years later, and I spent the next couple three years learning how to stay free. So, yeah, I've learned a lot about spiritual warfare, and uh, unfortunately, I didn't learn it from a book. Mm. I wish I would have. Yeah. <laughs> I wish someone would have taught me. Sure, what I learned through my own journey. Well, I just, I just wanted to set that context really, and, and obviously, folk can can buy your book, Spirit Wars, and, and learn a bit more. That that. 
you know, this is not something that's that's been a, a smooth journey, particularly for you. But as a, a, you know, for many folk, hearing God's voice is a can can be a challenge for all sorts of reasons. Uh, um, I recall hearing you speak about how God provided insight to issues when you worked as a car mechanic, for example. Yeah, yeah. I, I began just you know the you know Jesus said, "My sheep know my voice." So lambs don't necessarily know the voice of God. They learn they're learning the voice of God and and so, you know, I, I believe that that um experiencing God's voice and hearing God's voice and knowing what voice what voice is God's voice, you know, because in the spirit realm we hear from the Holy Spirit, we hear from uh our our spirit, we hear from angels, we hear from demons, and we hear from God. So um or you know, so I, I think that, you know, discerning the voice of the Lord like yeah, I, mean, I think that's maybe the the biggest question people have when we start talking about hearing the voice of God. It's like I hear these voices, and I'm and again I'm not talking about uh, audible voices or anything like that. But I hear these voices, and how do I know what voice is God's voice? What voice is you know my voice? And um, and then hopefully the devil's voice is pretty clear. You know, like oh that's got to be the enemy. He's, he accuses us day and night. But uh, so yeah, I, I think that just learning the learning that's really important. And and uh, you know when uh, Bill Johnson became our pastor in Weaverville some 37 years ago, we started doing this uh, activation Sunday evenings with just about 20 or 30 of us just hearing the voice of God. And Bill was teaching us the difference between the word of knowledge and prophecy. That the word of knowledge is information that we that we receive by the Holy Spirit that's currently true. You know, it's almost like googling God, <laughs> and and um, and prophecy is always about the future. It's foretelling. I'm telling you the future, and it's foretelling. I'm causing the future, and so um, so we were ju- we were just learning that, and we were learning that, you know, the Holy Spirit cares about everything. God cares about everything in our lives. You know, he cared about Saul's donkeys. He cares about the birds that fall from the nest. He cares about how many hairs are on our head. I mean, he just cares about everything. So. Uh, you know, as Bill just began to describe the God's caring ways in our life and that God wanted to speak into every area of our life, not like, oh, here's an emergency, I'm going to go seek God. It's like, no, God wants to be present all the time. He wants to speak to us all the time. So I, you know, one day, I just, working on a car, I just began to, you know, think, I wonder, you know, I was a diagnostician, uh, technician, and so my job was to figure out what was going on with cars, and especially in the early days of computers, you know, it became very complicated because um, we were, you know, we were mechanics. We were doing mechanical stuff, and then we were kind of thrown to the deep end of the pool with all this technical stuff. And and God gave me a real mind for it. So I remember this one time how how it began for me is I had worked on this car for two days. This actually was a truck, trying to figure out what was wrong with it. And I'd been coming in late at night because I had a, you know, I had three repair shops and. Um, several guys working for me and I I did most of the diagnostic stuff and so I stayed this one truck was a was Sierra Pacific truck I'd been working on it for three two days and and so I decided to come back at night so I went back that night and I was just working on it just trying to figure out why it wouldn't start and I'd been through everything every manual I'd actually called the dealer and and finally I just I just had this thought you know I wonder if Jesus knows what's wrong with cars, you know, seems to like know everything else. Yeah. <laughs> so I put my hands on this car. I'm like, oh, nobody's here, you know, so, okay, <laughs> I wonder how this works. So I put my hands on this car, and I said, Jesus, I just pray that you would just show me what's wrong with this car. And instantly, 
like I had this thought come into my head that said there's a diode under the right fender and the wires broke. I'm like, diode under the front right fender. Well, that's strange because I looked at all the wiring diagrams and I showed no diode in the right fender. So I'm like, well, what do I have to lose? So I put it up on the rack and I look up there and underneath a whole bunch of undercoating, there's a, a diode and it, the wires broke. Uh. I started the wire and truck started right up and away we went. And I'm uh. like, okay, that was my very first wow. time that, you know, and, and I, then I began to realize that the Lord, he actually... He actually cares about our daily stuff, and he actually knows about trucks and cars. And yeah, really cool. And uh, I've had the Lord speak to me about all kinds of stuff. And hopefully, I'll tell you tell you some more in this interview. But yeah, it's great. One of the things I learned that I, I want to share is the the you know Proverbs says it's the glory of God to hide a matter; it's the glory of kings to search it out. So I think one of the principles that we teach right away is that God hides things for us not from us and um you know god wants you know you know knowledge is power and god doesn't want the prideful to be the powerful so god hides his word so that only the humble and the hungry will find it and so that's a principle we've lived by our whole life yeah that's wonderful now uh, you have students from all over the world who uh, attend your school of supernatural ministry i mentioned as many as 1800 um, yeah, 900 it, foreign students this year. 900 foreign, well, wow. Wow, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, 2,100 students. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing that um, and teaching them to hear God's voice is, is foundational. It's foundational for your um, your treasure hunting ministry uh, and, yeah. and other things you're doing. So w- w- how do you start to teach them? Because some, some will be you know okay with all this, and some will be quite quite new, I guess. Well, you know, I think depending on the culture you're in, you know, let's say that you're in a culture where people – like prophecy is kind of like, you know, voodoo or something, you know, mm. <laughs> or people are like, you know, we don't believe in prophecy. I'm like, all right, well, do you believe in prayer? Yeah, I believe in prayer. Well, when you pray, do you do all the talking or does God talk back? Oh, no, well, no, God talks. All right, so do you ever talk to God about your friend? Yeah. Does he ever talk back to you? Well, yeah. Well, do you ever tell your friend what he said? Yeah, well, that's prophecy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and what I used to do with my with my youth group because I had a youth group that was, you know, like very people coming from lots of different backgrounds. I would, you know, we would just we would just worship, and then I would say, if Jesus walked in the room, what would he say to you? What would he say to John here? Let's and we put John in the middle and I'd say, what would we say? To, what would God say to John? And somebody would say, well, I think he'd say, John, I love you, and someone else would say, well, I think John. I think he would say, John. I think you're. I think John, you're supposed to be a writer, John. I, you know, and I'm like, these are prophecies <laughs> that were given to these people. We just took away the language, you know. Right. And sometimes people are much more comfortable if you take away quote the spooky language, and we just do, and we just allow God to speak to us, um, and uh, for us, and then through us, you know. And and people develop their confidence in that kind of realm, I guess. Yeah, and then we get feedback from the people, you know, which is, you know, First Corinthians fourteen: let, let two or three prophets speak, and let the others pass judgment. So we speak to the person, and then we say, "What did that mean to you?" And you know, they begin to to recount, like, "Oh, you know, this morning I was, you know, doing this thing, and I, I, you know, I really felt like I was supposed to be a writer." And gosh, you know, I've never even thought about writing before. And when you said that, it just, you know, hmm. so you know, it's like it's very encouraging, or it's not, you know. And then we're like, "Okay, well." No, I don't know what that means. 
And so, you know, we just begin to develop a culture where there's coaches and where there's referees. In other words, we, we bring people in in a prophetic kind of culture, and we say to them, you know, we're going to have you share what you think God's saying, but we're also going to give you feedback. And if you're out of bounds, like if, you, if you're sharing negative stuff, because, you know, uh, the uh, Corinthians, Paul wrote to Corinthians that prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. So prophecy is positive. So if somebody starts like, I feel like you're going to die, I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, back up the train. No, we're not, we're not doing that. That's, you know, yeah, still kill destroys the devil encouraging exhorting comforting is the lord so you know so we're we're actually coaching them and then we're roughing them like that's out of bounds we're like oh here's a better way to say that yeah so it's kind of fun very fun actually yeah we well, are listening to leadership file with me andy peck i'm joined this week by chris Wellerton. chris is on the senior team of bethel church reading california we'll be back just after this Welcome back to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Chris Vallotton. Chris is on the senior team of Bethel Church, Reading, California. He uh, helped to set up the School of Supernatural Ministry at Bethel. We're talking particularly about hearing God's voice. And before the break, we're talking about the, the ways in which uh, Chris um, helps those who are new, particularly to uh, the School of Supernatural Ministry, to to, to hear God's voice, to prophesy uh, over others. Um, <clears throat> Chris, I guess for, for many folk, that the big the big problem is, well, what if I get things wrong? <laughs> uh, what if I blow it? What if I, I speak out of turn? What if I say something that God's not really in? Um, how do you help folk over that nervousness? Well, I think that, you know, first of all, um, in, in 1 Thessalonians, it says, um, let, uh, it says, do not despise prophetic utterances. Examine everything carefully and hold fast to what is good. And the connotation is is that not everything that people not everything that you think is prophetic, not everything you think is from God is necessarily from God. So and we have a responsibility as believers that when somebody gives us a prophetic word that we're to first of all not despise it, secondly examine it carefully, and then thirdly hold fast to the parts of that word or the whole word that we feel is the Lord. And so I think we develop a culture where, you know, I always say this, you know, when in our body, not everything we eat is nourishing. And so when we eat something that isn't nourishing, our body has a waste system that gets rid of the parts of, uh, of what, we, um, what we take in, what we assimilate, that we, um, that we eat that we can't actually assimilate. And it, it gets rid of that, you know, through a waste system. And if that waste system ever got stopped up, you know, our whole body's toxic. So I teach our I teach our students and our and our people that when you you know if you get a bad word and I have them you know put their hand up like they're flushing a toilet and I say just flush you know don't let it don't let it become toxic in your whole system don't let that toxic word you know people say well I got a bad word ten years ago and it wrecked my life I'm like what no way you know we need we need to not be fragile. We need not be f- spiritually fragile people who somebody can wreck our life because they got a word wrong or even because they were trying to get it wrong. We just need to flush those words, and, um, and we need to develop a culture around us where we actually judge prophetic words and we actually hold fast to what is good, which means we get rid of what isn't good. And I think that that's all part of developing a prophetic ministry and more importantly, it's all part of developing a prophetic culture. Yeah, yeah, splendid. Um, um, just to kind of 
make this a bit more concrete uh, for folk. Um, you, both you and Bill have, have spoken publicly about your increased involvement in working with civic leaders in, in the city of Reading, where your church is based. Um, and I just wonder how that kind of how you heard from God in that context and um, and how that's developed. Yeah, well, two things. One, we worked with civic leaders actually all over the world in D.C. and actually in London lately in mm-hmm. your own country. Yeah. And um and but it, yeah it began here and you know like Daniel, who benefited a king who was uh you know was a wi- was wicked, at least initially Nebuchadnezzar, and then later on with uh, Belshazzar, uh, Darius, and um, Cyrus, you know the Lord spoke to us about actually benefiting the people in our city, who are Romans thirteen people, they're civic leaders who are called ministers of God. God calls them. Four times in the book of Romans, he calls civic leaders ministers of God. Right, right. And so we're like, okay, how do Ephesians chapter 4 people, you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and the saints, so the sixfold ministry, how do we interact with Romans 13 people who are ministers of God but may not know God? Hmm. And so, and we started looking through Joseph, who, you know, obviously served Pharaoh. Esther, who served King Zeus, and uh, and then um, also, you know, obviously Daniel served four kings, and we're like, how do we serve people who don't know the Lord for the bene- for their benefit and for the benefit of our city? And so we just began to, you know, we went to our city manager, and we sat down with him, and we said, listen, you know, we have this, we have a heart to see our city prosper. Uh, you know, uh, we believe that God divinely put you in this position. And um, the first thing we want to do is we want to start giving 10% of our general fund to the city. And he said, well, okay, um, well, you can give it here, here. No, we're like, no, there's this principle that we lay the money at our leader's feet, and we trust you to disperse the money as you see fit. And so he felt very honored, and and that began a relationship, and we've been doing that for, I think, seven or eight years. Yeah. So that was the beginning, just... And then, you know, and we, we asked that they, you know, didn't tell the newspaper, that we didn't make a big deal out of it. And we asked that we could come once a year and talk to them about what our city needs and take special offerings. So we take special offerings for our city. And, and yeah, we've done all kinds of things like take over the Civic Building when they were going to lose it and develop a plan for that. And we, we put 2,000 students to work every week in our city, beautifying our city and, and helping with city projects. We put $200,000 into equipment, trucks, and and uh, uh, then we hired a management team that manages just the projects in our city. And yep, it's just been awesome. It's been wonderful. Is that you know an evolution it took time to get there, and we're still growing. Very fun. So it, it wasn't particularly that someone had a sense from God. This is this should happen. It was more a sense of you were reflecting on Scripture and and thought, hang on, it's it's all there already. Let's let's work it out. I think it was a little bit both. You know, yeah. don't you think it's kind of like that? Yeah, no, it's sure. Like mm. you, you see something in scripture, but mm. that scripture's popping out of at yeah, yeah. like neon lights, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, "Well, I think this is for us." Yeah, it was like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's wonderful to hear. And um, you know, as I say, both you and Bill at different times have, have spoken publicly about it, and I was just interested to to flesh that out a little bit because it's it's not you know it's not something typically that that one hears that a church would would give a percentage of its of its offering to to local civic leaders that's terrific yeah yeah it's amazing what it does for your you know influence too as far as like we're not trying to buy influence but it's no. amazing when you love your city 
what kind of influence you receive, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I mean, as we sadly time time's rushing past, and um, uh, I mean, I did want to just mention one of your recent books, Fashion to Reign: uh, Empowering Women to Fulfill Their Divine Destiny. I, I mean, in my view, it, it does a magnificent job of looking at some of the so-called tricky passages, which some think prohibit women from having a teaching or leading role. Uh, and you're um, and we haven't got time to go into the background, but you wonderfully look back into the background of of, of some of the, the particularly the epistles and the sort of settings that Paul is writing into and and reflect on on, on some of their beliefs, particularly about uh, men and women and how that has an impact upon uh, upon Paul's teaching and in, in those churches. So. I want to say thank you for the book, <laughs> if I may. Thank you. Um, and um, but but also really just ask what what sort of reaction you've had um, you know, in the UK. You know, there are still some churches where which are more patriarchal. Many churches it wouldn't be unusual for women to be leading and, and teaching. What what's the been reaction in the United States, uh, Chris? Well, actually, around the world, it's been mixed. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think mostly it's been positive, but I also think that there's you know I also have had some people that you know, right and think that I'm a false teacher because I'm empowering women. And, you know, I, I think there's there's such a big misunderstanding, especially with, you know, four verses of the Bible that seem to disempower women. And so, obviously, people who are want to be true to the Scriptures, they're not so much wanting to disempower women as they are wanting to make sure that we're not compromising the Scriptures to embrace a cultural, uh, you know, a cultural reality. So, yeah, it's been mixed, but mostly, I'd say 85% positive, 15% uh, negative, and um, yeah, it's been it's been really good though. Uh, it's been very exciting, it, and I think everybody who wants to empower women, everyone who's you know got a heart to empower women, they hear they hear um, the you know the truth, and they're like, oh, that's yeah, that feels right. That's what that's tr- that's the truth. So yeah, it's been very good, mostly well received. Well, that's that's good to hear. I, I was particularly impressed with the one Timothy two passage and the your explanation of women shall be saved through childbirth which frankly many scholars have have puzzled over even those who are open to the idea of women teaching and leading have been puzzled by that and um i mean you know i won't give the game away now necessarily get people to read the book but it's wonderful the way you unpack that uh, as a as an insight into um in into into what the text was probably meaning yeah and i think that you know I think the greatest insight that I had uh, uh, as far as, like, my study, I did about 400 uh, hours of study to for that book. And I think the greatest impact I had, that, I mean, the greatest impact that, was, that, that happened to me during the study was that I realized that Paul had three audiences. He had the Greeks, um, he had the Romans, and he had the Jews. And, of course, the Jews oppressed women. The Romans oppressed women, but not as much. And the Greeks made gods out of them. Yeah. And so the only place you have any correction for women about women in the church was in Greek cities, of course, in Ephesus, um, in in Crete to to uh, Timothy and in Corinth, which are all Greek cities where they made gods out of the, out of women. So as soon as you understand that Paul's writing to the Greeks, he never he never says anything to the Roman women about um, you know covering their head or about about um, you know men being you know. Uh, actually being created first and then women, um, you know, creation order. Of course, the Greeks thought that women were created first and then men. Uh, he never has any corrections for any 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 city, Philippi, Colossae. He never has any correction for any city that's a Roman or Jewish city. All of the all the corrections come to the um, 
to the cities that are Greek um, who have women who are actually leading their cities. So, yeah, I think that that starts to open up a whole world for you, and I think it, it creates a ton of understanding. Well, Chris, that's a wonderful taster for the book. So it is fashion terrain, empowering women to fulfill their de- divine destiny. There, anyway, I've done a bit of a commercial for you. Um, just to just to say, um, you've got your own website. Um, sadly, as I say, times defeated us. But um, if folk want to learn a bit more about you, or um, certainly look at that book and others, uh, they can go to your website. What's uh, the, the address, please? Yeah, it's KV Ministries, KVMinistries dot com, and I also have a blog. That's Chris, K-R-I-S, Vallotton, V-A-L-L-O-T-T-O-N, dot com. And uh, it's a new blog. I think you'll really enjoy it. Fantastic. Well, Chris, it's been been terrific to um, you know to chat with you. Thank you. For, uh, we've skated over some issues, but it's been some great great insight into into all sorts of things. And uh, thank you again for, for you know for the the travelling you do to to serve so many, and particularly us in the UK. Thank you very much. Thanks for the interview. God bless you. Thank you. Well, you've been listening to Leadership Fire with me, Andy Pecker, and joined this week by uh, Chris Vallotton. Uh Do uh, go to archived uh, episodes of the Leadership Fire by going to premier.org.uk, and you can subscribe via iTunes, via Premier or iTunes Direct. Look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 